Welcome into today's episode, OBR fans. The OBR Film Breakdown is Jake Burns, your host, and we have a great episode today. I think you're going to really enjoy this show. We have an LSU guest who goes through a couple of these players. If you did not listen to yesterday's episode with Jared Mueller, we talked about Cade York and expectations for what the kicker could look like this year, the threshold. If it goes really poorly, here's what it looked like, the patience it would take. I think we tried to lay that out perfectly, talk about why he came out early. We get even more insights in the draft introduction series today. We also get some notes on Glenn Logan, which I'm excited about. And we talk a little, too, about some of the players that are currently on the Browns roster, the young guys from LSU. So should be fun in that regard. If you have not checked out the other episodes, Friday we had John Colosimo on. He did a fantastic job. I think that one's worth your time if you want to go back and listen to that. And then up at the OBR, we have a great study about coverage confusion and how the Browns tried to rectify that by the end of the year. That was put up by John Stephenson, who does such a great job for us in film study. We also have David Bell Film Room, and we did record with Alex Wright, so we will have that for you early next week for this podcast channel, um, the Browns Pick 78 UAB defensive end, who we also did a draft introduction series on with a UAB coverage guest. So uh, check that out as well. A lot of fun stuff going on this weekend. Good episodes. Hopefully you guys are having a great weekend. Probably not as great as the Browns offense, who currently is in the Bahamas, golfing, having fun, doing some team building things. Looks like they're having a fantastic time down there. So we'll see if that ends up paying any you know benefits later in the year, whether these guys come together and can form a cohesive unit. They definitely need it. Uh, but yeah, it looks like they're having a great time down there. And hopefully you guys are having a great weekend as well. So let's get over to our guest, who I think, again, is really, really good on the topic of these LSU guys. Some great stories, some great connections. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Let's get over there after a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, the Browns keep going to the LSU pipeline in some form or fashion, and that means we got to find somebody to talk to from LSU. Had a great connection to Sunny Ship down here at the uh, 247 Go uh, Go 247 site covering the LSU Tigers. I think you do a little recruiting, a little beat, a little bit of everything, right, Sonny? Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, man, a little bit of everything. Uh, been doing it now for, ooh, I guess, 23, 24 years, so long time down here on the Bayou. I have to ask you, have you ever seen a day quite like we've seen so far from Jimbo and Nick? 
Man, I uh, no, and, and unfortunately, we were recording a podcast for the for our site when uh, <laughs> when the whole Jimbo thing came on. And so as we're recording this right now, I have only seen snippets and pieces of it. <laughs> yeah, you're going to really, really like what you see there because it is kind of funny, kind of crazy. It is uh, from a guy up here north in Columbus. It just kind of perfect SEC battleground stuff going on down there. So it'll be fascinating to watch that A&M Alabama game. And I'm sure some, you know, Lane Kiffin will get mixed up in it at some point. I think Brian Kelly's going to hang out on the side and just watch this battle. But uh, he'll bring the he'll bring the boys ready to play. But let's talk about who Cleveland brought in from LSU this year. So, you know, they've gone down for Jacob Phillips, Grant Delpit, and I'll throw a couple questions about those guys last here because I, I kind of want to hear a little bit about about your experience with those guys. But Cade York comes in. The Browns need a kicker. They're in a division that has, you know, Chris Boswell in Pittsburgh. It has Justin Tucker, who's maybe the greatest kicker in the NFL history in Baltimore. They just watched the McPherson kid out of Florida go to Cincinnati and kick them into the Super Bowl. They said they needed to get a kicker. They needed a real kicker in this division. Do you think they have found one in Cade? What makes him special? What do you like about him? And any experience you've had with the young man that would be good for Browns fans to know about him? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think for a fan base, I think whenever you get a kicker who left school early after only three years, man, you got a gym right there. I mean, that doesn't happen too often. You know, we can toss Sebastian Janikowski out there. There's, you know, a, a couple of other guys, but that's just something that's pretty rare. And I think that also speaks to the, you know, the kind of uh, the kind of kid that Cade York was, you know, in high school and at LSU. You know, he was a guy who came in with big expectations immediately, uh, you know, uh, started kicking as a true freshman, kicked as a sophomore, kicked as a junior, and really under some intense situations. You know, you go back to, I, I think, probably the kick that, that a lot of Browns fans know about and that most, uh, you know, most LSU fans will, you know, easily recall is the kick down in the swamp. And in 2020 to when he, uh, you know, he had to, uh, I think it was a 57, I know it was a school record, a 57 yard field goal through the fog. You could barely see the goalpost and he just drilled that thing right down the middle. And that allowed LSU, you know, if LSU would have lost that game, they would have gone to drop to three and six and it would have cemented their first losing season since 1999. So a lot of pressure on that kick. He nailed that kick right down the middle, pushed LSU at four and five. They go on the win, beat Ole Miss the next week, finish five and five, and to avoid that losing season. And, um, you know, he had multiple 50-yard kicks that year throughout his career. Um, you know, probably if there's a question, it's going to be how is he going to do kicking off because his entire career at LSU – Avery Atkins handled the kickoffs. Avery Atkins was a guy who just had a tremendous leg, uh, you know, something crazy like over 90% success rate of kicking the ball uh, for touchbacks. Routinely put it into the stands, put it out of the back of the end zone, just a tremendous leg. And uh, so Cade York never had to hand, never had to handle kickoffs. But as strong of a leg as he's shown on field goals and things like that, you've got to feel like it. That's not going to be an issue for him. And uh, you know they may have already gotten a look at him through some OTAs. I'm not sure about that. But um, you know I, I think if you're looking for a kicker, if you're looking for someone who's going to come into a division 
where you're not going to be kicking in ideal in ideal situations and ideal circumstances. You're going to be, you know, you're going to have to deal with the wind. You're going to have to deal with the weather. You want someone who has a strong, accurate leg. And that's one thing that York showed throughout his career at LSU. But on top of that, you're also getting a guy who has been in some pressure pack situations and who has come through time after time after time again. And so if he continues that, you know, if, if he, picks up where he left off at LSU and he continues to do that in the NFL, I think the Browns probably have a potential Pro Bowl all-pro type kicker. Yeah, that's the hope. And and what you need is you see so many of these guys come into the NFL and teams are just so impatient with them right away because it's it's an adjustment. Cleveland's got a stadium on the lakefront. There's some wind that comes into that thing at weird angles. He'll need to get used to it. I don't think it's an impossible task the way some people try to, to paint that picture because I see a lot of opposing com- kickers come into Cleveland and do just fine. I think it's always been what Cleveland's been trying to do is is bargain bin the kicking situation after their best kicker in franchise history, and they needed to go get a guy with talent. And I think what the folks were saying pre-draft, what you're saying here, he is full of talent. It sounds like he's a very resilient guy. You talked about the pressure situations. The moment doesn't seem to get too big. And I've also heard some things about him being able to sort of self-correct, which is, which is you know, golf, golf is a lot like the same situation here with kicking. It's a very pendulum-based thing, and you just have to know sort of where your swing is and all of that. Is he a, is he a guy that, a couple things there, is he a cool, calm, collected type of attitude guy, and does he have that ability to, to really kind of fix things on the fly? Maybe he missed a kick earlier in the game, but he feels like he can come back and make it with a little adjustment. Have you noticed those things? You know, throughout his career, there was never really a, uh, you know, in, in 2019, that was the year that LSU went 15-0, and won the national championship. That was his true freshman season. That team scored so many touchdowns to where he wasn't, you know, he wasn't called into action nearly as much. And so that, 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 that kind of allowed him to kind of find his groove and, and really be able to find his place from making that jump from high school to the S to playing in the SEC. And then in 2020, you didn't have, you know, you didn't have a lot of fans in the stands. So you, you, you could say that he didn't have those type, you know, as many of those uh, pressure type situations, but he had multiple, I want to say it was three, four, maybe even five, 50, you know, a field goals of 50 yards or more that, that he just drilled. And so, Kicking under those circumstances in 2020 during the pandemic, you know that put a, that puts a lot on people's minds and things like that. And the last thing a kicker wants is something on his mind, you know. And so we never really saw him go through, um, you know, a series of lows. We've never really seen him go through, a, you know, to where there was ever any doubt that he was the guy. And so – you know, how he handles that adversity at, you know, once he makes that jump over to Cleveland, I think is going to be, you know, the biggest indicator of whether or not Cleveland found, if whether or not Cleveland found a kicker or whether or not Cleveland found their kicker. Yeah, well said. It, yeah, totally does. Well said. I, I would say, too, it'll be fascinating to see just how he's able to handle some of the uh, NFL differences, the hash mark differences, some of those minor things. And, and from every, everything I gather, seems like he's in a great place. Seems like he's he's able to handle those things. And those insights you gave us, they were really good. Let's let's shift over to uh, 
Glenn Logan here. So this is a young man, doesn't get drafted. Maybe he was expecting to get drafted. Maybe you guys weren't. Those of you who covered the team weren't expecting him to get drafted. Just curious your thoughts on him, what he can do uh, as sort of a bigger body, shade, interior player, what what he can bring, and, and if he ultimately makes the roster. Because the Browns did commit a little bit of money to him. They gave him a nice chunk of guaranteed cash. I think they stole him from from Washington, I believe, had put in a pretty good offer for him, and there was some indications he was going to sign there, and Cleveland swooped in. So if he ends up making Cleveland's roster, kind of looking at what kind of player that is. Yeah, and coming out of high school, he was a guy out of Destrehan High School, which is right outside New Orleans. He was a guy that, that wasn't the number one ranked defensive lineman in the class um, of for Louisiana in that year, but he was a guy that Ed Orgeron, who, you know, when he was the defensive line coach at LSU, he was absolutely in love with Logan, thought that he was the best player in the state, uh, the best defensive lineman in the state, thought he was one of the best in the country. And there was, you know, there was kind of that question of uh, of his motor, you know, his 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 motor wasn't going on uh, full speed as much as it, you know, as you would like to see uh, coming out of high school. And I think that was also played into, you know, into him redshirting and him, uh, you know, he, he put on some weight. He got up to, I want to say, I want to say he played 2020 at around 300 and a little bit, of, right around 320 pounds or so. And then they had him listed on the roster in 2021, about 22, 23 pounds lighter. And so, you know, he, he, he showed that he can put in that work to get his body where it needs to be. What I think the reason, though, that he didn't get drafted and that Cleveland was able to get him as a free agent is that it was up and down. It was, it was always up and down. The weight was up and down. When he had his weight in check, he played really, you know, he played really well. Um, it was just a case of, of not being able to sustain it, you know, and then he had the injury. He had an injury that kept him sidelined uh, for, you know, several games this past season. And so there was, you know, he never quite fulfilled those, uh, you know, those expectations that he had coming out of high school. But if, if Cleveland can get him, if Cleveland can keep him in that 290 to 295 range, you know, I, I think that he that he is one of those guys that when you look back on the free agents that Cleveland picked up, that Glenn Logan's a guy. Don't be shocked if he's hanging around in, in, in two or three years. It might be practice squad this year. Um, but I would when when you look at when you look at free agents and you look at their chances of making an NFL roster knowing some of the things that Glenn Logan went through, some of the struggles that he went through at LSU, if he is able to flip that switch and if he is able to able to be that guy in tr- through, through OTAs, through this summer, into training camp, in the exhibition season, if he is able to be that guy that, is that that is dropping weight that is out there hustling that's giving it his all he's a guy who has the potential to make that team um you know it might take some time but i think that you know when when you look at when you look at glenn logan i don't think he's your typical free agent and i think that the you know the point that you made about cleveland throwing some guaranteed money his way i think that supports that it's an interesting position group because the Browns, uh, they've, they've invested some mid-round picks 
some guys in the third, a couple fourth rounders now. None of them have really developed yet. I mean, they they just took Perry on Winfrey from Oklahoma, but the other two have not impressed much, and they haven't really gone after the free agent market. So there is a real chance for Glenn to make the roster. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about him. We appreciate that. The Browns are loaded with LSU guys. Now the two wide receivers, the veteran guys have gone their separate ways and all of that, but young guys still on the roster. I mean, you're still talking about two defensive players that the Browns really want to get a lot out of they haven't necessarily because of injuries jacob phillips has dealt with a rookie year injury and then he dealt with that freak elbow uh issue in camp last year and then obviously grant delpit and and greedy have dealt with some of their own injury stuff but i'm just curious which one of those guys or or it could be a couple did you really think we're gonna you know be really impactful in the nfl and still think there's something really there like you're just kind of focusing on those guys because you think they once they stay healthy find health they can really be nice NFL players. I lean toward Grant. I'm really excited to see him back with a healthy year this year coming off that Achilles, but I'm I'm curious which of those guys sort of stood out to you and you were most excited when they came into the league. Yeah, he would be my pick too. He 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 would be my pick too. And injuries, you know, his his, jun- his junior year, his sophomore year, his junior year, some some nagging little injuries that he had to deal with. But I think that you know, in 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 college, he never really quite got his body to where you thought that it could be potentially. You know, he was a uh, you know he he was a tall guy, but he didn't quite fill out the way that the way that I thought that he could eventually fill out, and the way that he might have had he stayed for a fourth year. But for me, I think he's that type of guy. I think he's that type of guy who can he'll come up, he'll hit you in run support, he can play some center field. Um, and just if you're if you're talking about people reaching their potential and really um, you know being able to kind of just turn that curve with their body and everything just starts to click, I think he's that guy for me too. Now I do like I do like Jacob Phillips and the fact that you know he's a guy who played who played a lot of uh, you know played a lot of kind of like defensive end in high school, defensive end linebacker, just putting where he could make some plays. So he hasn't really played that traditional linebacker position, um, you know, as much as some other guys have who are you know who are going to be entering their third year in the league. At LSU, he uh, you know he really became a uh, became a force as a you know as a junior in 2019 when he kind of had that breakout season playing alongside Patrick Queen. But I think that as far as uh, you know as far as learning the position, as far as playing the position, and as far as playing the position because you're physically comfortable and you're mentally prepared to play it, I really think that this is probably you know going to be that time to where Jacob Phillips to where he can really start to put his best foot forward and everything just kind of starts to jive with one another. You know, I kind of equate it to players, you know, to where, you know, some of them walk with a limp, you know, they walk with a limp because they're, they're not, you know, physically they're there, but mentally they're not there. Mentally they may be there or physically they may be there. You know, they may not just be quite accustomed to that position. And I think that, you know, I think with Jacob Phillips, you know, I think that he might be ready to kind of shed that limp and, and might be able to ready to really start kind of playing as fast and as physical as he's capable of. Yeah, two guys the Browns would love to get a ton out of. Uh, rookie contracts, players they invested in. Should be a fascinating thing with these three guys on defense, especially still greedy. They they still think there's something there, even despite the shoulder and the nerve issues. They they got some good football out of him last year. They're excited about this year. So, Sonny, man, thank you so much for your time, insights. This is great. 
uh, all the way from from Cade through the guys that are that are on the roster now, veterans, believe it or not, uh, veteran guys here in Cleveland. So we appreciate it so much, and I'm sure uh, it won't be the last time I reach out to you about the Browns drafting some guys out of LSU. Hey man, anytime. And, and for Cleveland fans, you know LSU LSU fans are big Cleveland Brown fans. Even though Odell or Jarvis are gone, there's a lot. We know that there's a, they, there's a lot of Tigers up there. And outside of that bunch in in uh, in Cincinnati now, Cleveland Cleveland might be that uh, LSU fans number two team right now. Yeah, that's just, that's true with Joe and Jamar down there. This at least the AFC North is crazy amount of uh, talent they try to pull out of the SEC. So we got that to look forward to. We appreciate it again, Sonny. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. Y'all have a great day. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Thanks for joining today's episode, and a thanks to Sonny for taking the time to give us the insight on all of those LSU players, especially including Cade York. We have one more Draft Introduction Series episode to record. We're going to try to find a Texas Tech guest for Dawson Deaton to give you some insights on who that young lineman is that the Browns selected in the seventh round. Hopefully you guys have been enjoying this series. I do think there's some really good stuff that comes from these interviews with those who have covered them locally for the last three or four years. So we'll continue to do this year after year. I might try to reach out and find a guest on some of these uh, undrafted free agents, including Isaiah Weston. So we could try to find some of those, you know, maybe a UNI reporter or something like that who can give us some insights on that. That'd be great. So keep an eye out for that if we get some UDFA guys that are they're kind of hinted toward a chance to make the roster and we can reach out and find some of these other folks to help them out. So we'll try to find that for now. We've got pretty much everybody covered. Make sure you go back and check those out. If you have not their draft introduction series titles for each podcast, you can find pretty much every guy except for Dawson. We'll get to him pretty soon. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Thanks for checking out all the weekend content. We'll be back Monday with a more up-to-date scope of what happened over the weekend where I can record live. So, again, thanks for checking it out today, supporting the OBR guys. Have a great Sunday, and go Browns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.